This isn't Grandma's radio show. We talk about slobber knocking fights. Ground and pound. Rear naked chokes. Plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. It's coming up next, another brand new episode of Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. Welcome back to an early special edition of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com as well as LastWordOnSports.com. Make sure you check out both those fantastic sites after you're done listening to this podcast. Now, before I get into the news and, and who I have on the show, I'd like to just thank my sponsors, ProAmBelts.com. Check them out for all your championship belt needs. Floathouse.ca, if you're into that sensory deprivation tank stuff, um, Joe Rogan's talked about it immensely. This stuff helps out. It's great. Um, if you want to just, you know, visualize things and, and de-stress, um, check out floathouse.ca if you're in the British Columbia lower mainland area. Fusionfightgear.com has all your Brazilian jiu-jitsu needs. They've got geese, they've got rash guards, they've got spats, and it's all licensed gear. It's friggin' awesome. Make sure you check them out. And also Unique Kennels. These guys have been breeding beautiful baby bulldogs for the last 30 years. Check them out on Twitter at UniqueKennels71. Now, my guests for the day, and the reason why I started this show early and dropped it on Monday, is because we got a huge one to kick things off. Jason Mayhem Miller joins the show to talk not only about his upcoming fight in May against Luke Barnott, but also about what he's had going on over the last four years and whatnot. Also joining me on the show is Dr. Polly Gloves. This guy is an MMA boxing coach at American Top Team. He'll talk his fighters that he trains, and he'll talk just shop, man. This guy, he's got some cool perspectives on the game, what he brings to the sport of mixed martial arts and whatnot. So Dr. Polly Gloves joins me a little bit later on. But the big news, this last week it was announced MMA is officially legal in New York. Woohoo! We might actually get to see John Jones fight in New York at Madison Square Gardens. How fantastic is that? So pretty cool that that is the case. Other news from the week, uh, interesting enough, you know, Fedor is fighting for Ryzen. This guy is signed to that organization, but he has let the UFC know, supposedly on numerous occasions, that he still would like a rematch with Fabricio Verdum. What else has gone on this week? Well, a big fight announcement happened on Monday. Christiane Cyborg Santos will make her UFC debut at UFC 198, 140-pound catchweight against Leslie Smith. Hmm. Interesting. I know a lot of people thought it was going to be Kat Zingano. She had teased at the fact that she had a huge fight announcement, but nope. Cyborg is fighting Leslie Smith, someone outside the top 10. Wow, Smith is in for something big. And earlier today, on the MMA Hour, Henzo Gracie announced that George St. Pierre will be back. He expects the announcement soon. He says that he's been training, and he does believe that he will be back inside the octagon. Now, I guess there's two possibilities. The question is, does he fight at UFC 200 because they need a big name and to make a statement? Or does he fight at the organization's debut in New York at Madison Square Gardens? Who knows? Who knows if it's actually the case? Who knows if that fight actually goes down? But who knows? We'll leave it at that. Henzo Gracie says he's coming back. We'll believe everything Henzo Gracie says. So I'm going to get right into my interview with Jason Mayhem Miller. This one is brought to you by... True North Screen Printing. These guys can do everything screen printing does. They can etch glasses. They can print you t-shirts, hats, sweatshirts, whatever you need. If you are in the British Columbia area, hell, you can order it online. So if you are out of town, they will ship it to you. Check out truenorthscreenprinting.com for all your screen printing needs. This guy is Jason Mayhem Miller. (laughs) 
Taliban. Jason, Jeremy Taliban. Sucker Radio here, man. Taliban. How's it going, buddy? Taliban. 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 Yeah, you know, I feel like they, they, they've been forgotten about it. I really think Taliban, everyone needs to remember, they're still out there. <laughs> it seems like you haven't been forgotten about. I mean, uh, other than inside the cage. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of, you know, look, I'm arguably the most famous MMA fighter in the world. I mean, look, yeah, uh, not necessarily for the championships I've won, but get suppressed. Or being inside the cage. I mean, this this will be your first fight in, in over four years, man. I'll tell you right now, man, I, I'm looking uh, to cement my legacy. First of all, was stomping this dude's head. Oh, that's illegal. Can't stomp the guy's head, but I can punch the guy's head into the mat. Which is tremendous. This is great, and and I like how everybody's already overlooking. Are Are you sure that stomping the head is not in the rule set? Because you will be fighting in Italy. Yeah, I, look, I will. Yo, I'll do whatever the rules allow me to, man. Do you know the rule set? I, if you If you look through my culture, I mean my culture. If you look through <laughs> my career, yeah, and my culture, I have a violent culture uh, surrounding me in the ghetto gangster streets of Mission Viejo, uh, but. Um, I've always, uh, and I will continue to do so, despite uh, my opponent being about like five inches taller than. Me. What do you know about your opponent? I mean, you're fighting Luke Barnott. Is it, is this a guy that has he ever been on your radar? I just found out he that he is an actual person different than Josh Barnett <laughs> this week, or uh, last week, I believe, was the first time I heard that. I was like, oh crap. Well, I thought for sure we were putting on uh, a big show. You know, Josh Barnett is a friend of mine, and he was the one who broke the news to me that uh, we weren't fighting. And I, at first, I was really broke up about it, but then I figured, hell, man, this guy is way smaller than Josh Barnett. So you were down to fight a heavyweight? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll fight anybody at any time for any reason. That That's the question that I had then, fighting anybody anytime for any reason. It has been four years. I mean, we've only heard about sort of oh, the you downs. Think I haven't been fighting? You, no, I, you think I haven't been fighting? See, what you got to understand, here in Orange County, California, this is the birthplace of modern MMA. If you don't if you don't know the Huntington Beach bad boy when he was the champion or Tank Abbott when he was the champion, hey, man, look here. I'm just, uh, you know, carrying the flag for, for these uh, uh, fighters of yesteryear. Orange County is, is the spot. And if you think we don't have an underground scene here still, you are sadly mistaken. So, so how many underground scene fights have you had over the last well, four bro, years? If I would talk about Fight Club, then it wouldn't be Fight Club now, would I? That's the truth. That's the truth. Where Where are you yeah. doing your the majority of your training? You still with Kings MMA? Nah, you know what? I've uh, taken a sabbatical from uh, the the great uh, Kings Gym. Uh, I, I believe that uh, I I need to uh, spread my wings and fly. I'm over at uh, uh, Frankie Mercado's. Junior, Frankie Mercado, Junior, I should clarify. Uh, I'm over at his gym here in Mission Viejo. So, you know, it's a nice little hometown feel. And we all, uh, I don't know, are are, are really working hard towards the same goal. And that's going to mean a smash guy on May 21. (laughs) Do you intend, I mean, your your image over the last four years has has sort of been been brought down and and talking about Taliban and whatnot. Are are you concerned at all by this, or, or do you want to repair the image, or, or does that matter to you at all? Well, you know, I mean, look, to me, it just basically is... I'm sorry, that was an unexpected jihad. <laughs> so it doesn't matter to you at all? Well, look here, man. I got a bad rap. Everybody lies and lies and lies. And look, these lies... are definitely hard to, to scrape off. They're like barnacles at the bottom of a pirate ship. I'm saying that my life is a pirate ship, and there's some barnacles to be scraped off. I just think in time, people will realize that all this uh, media hype was, uh, I don't know, just garbage. And, um, you know, Mayhem Miller... Look, I never said that I was a librarian. I never said that I was a priest or a friggin' uh, the greatest Samaritan, but man, I do my part. 
and uh, it's being overlooked. And that's okay with me. That's fine. I'm not supposed to be any of those things that I mentioned. I'm supposed to be, you know, a dude who punch, kicked, and chokes people. And I, that's what I'm going to do. That's my job. I'm I'm really good at it. And that's the main thing that people have forgotten is that I'm really good at fighting. And it, you know, uh, it just and instead they just. Um, I, I'm not too good with public relations. I'll just tell you tell you the truth. I, I haven't been, and uh, that's mostly because. I didn't feel like talking to the media at all. I felt like I got um, uh, a bad shake from them, like I got a bad uh, handshake. Uh, and, and now suddenly uh, I just realized that, all right, fine. Instead of not talking to the media, I'm going to get out in front and talk to you guys and make sure that the, the, the true story gets out there, you know. Uh, and, and it'll take some time to kind of repair all, all this uh mudslinging that's been done but i'm very confident uh in the future I, the main thing is i don't give a damn what the the mass majority of people think uh, i've got my uh, core unit here at mayhem miller industries and all of them support me and that's all i need really and i mean it, it seems like the media takes whatever happens with you and, and turns it into a bit of a tailspin despite you you know being arrested and all these other things but would you say the media plays it up even more than, than what's actually no, happening? Half the reason I've been arrested so many times is because of the media. That, you, know, you think it doesn't make... All right, look. Everybody likes to like point a finger and say, Mayhem's the bad guy. I ain't no bad guy, but you know I, I didn't do anything to um, stop everyone from thinking that. And that's where, I, that's where I'm changing things up. I'm going to start... Like, nowadays, I'm just going to go ahead and talk to people and let everyone decide if I'm really a bad guy. Because I know who I am, you know, and I know about the, 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 the just blatant lies that have been in the media this entire time. Just blatantly lying. So uh, I made a big mistake. I got mad at the media and said, all right, all right, they're going to lie about me. Well, go fuck yourself then. And I didn't talk to anybody. So now there's only one side of the story out there. Now... I'm going to be talking to you guys all the time. I like talking to you as much <laughs> as I can. Um, yeah, I'm going to be, I, I think you're a gentleman. Uh, I think that uh, eventually uh, the reporters who wrote all these hit pieces on me are going to feel bad and they're going to do exactly what the media does. They're going to write good pieces about me. Suddenly I'm going to be their best friend. Ah, well, that's just how it goes here in America. And I'm not scared, to, you know, and, and from, from now on, the real mistake I made that makes me real mad is that I didn't realize where the reporters were coming from. Yeah. I didn't realize, yeah, I didn't realize that I didn't think about it. Like, they have to sell tickets just like me. And guess what sounds awesome? Mayhem's on a rampage. Well, that and, that and sounds, the, and that the, sounds way better. Exactly. Way better. And, Stop it out. When I, every time I go on TV or uh, interview, <laughs> I just act like a complete asshole to the interviewer. Oh, they they edit me really funny. Yeah, that's you know, that's what I, I was gonna hey, ask. I <laughs> my, yeah, I learned from my mistakes. You know, you you see my interviews out there, uh, and uh, and I, you know I was a dick to Boss Rutten, and uh, yeah, well because I felt like uh, completely ignored for a long time, except except. And they were talking bad about me, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I totally understand. Like, they have to sell tickets, too. They've got to they've gotta feed their families. they got advertisers, you know. And on top of that, I've been very critical of the UFC. And look, let's just be honest. Everybody and their brother, probably including you, is on their payroll. And I'm not mad at them, either. Yeah, everyone's got to make a living. Well, I'm going to go to Milan, not, sell out of some <laughs> tall guy, and uh, you know make a bunch of money. Not myself. I, I uh, am not on the UFC payroll. Heck, sometimes I even have difficulties <laughs> getting into hey, events. Hey man, how long you how long you this business for 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 five ten years? About six years. Yeah, I've been in it for twenty. So uh, you're bought and paid for. You don't even realize. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, do you? Do you? I look and I know. Hey, with a name like MMA Sucker, I don't know if you have credentials or anything, but you know, 
you lose them if you talk to me usually. Well, if you portray me in a favorable light. I'm hoping we can portray you in a favorable way, which wasn't what happened with that real sports interview with Brian Gumble. Do you wish? <laughs> that was hilarious. Well, obviously. Hey, it wasn't even Brian Gumble. It was a bootleg imposter of Brian Gumble. <laughs> Did, they obviously sat down with you for a long time, and that's sort of what you're talking Eight, about. Nine, ten hours. Jesus. Like, it was like an interrogation. And and he never got the answer that he wanted, so instead they just edited me funny. That that so that's what you're talking about them editing things the way they want to be seen. Oh yeah, they try to portray me as uh, some monster, but truth is, like they, they were barking up the wrong tree for that one. Like it's just ridiculous trying to compare me to damn war machine or some ridiculousness. <laughs> you know, it's like what the fuck? You see what the guy damn did to her? You know, fucking hell. And I used to beat that kid up every fucking day. Well, that interview, I mean, that interview definitely, if they spun it the wrong way, they made you seem like a compl- like you were high on every drug possible. Yeah, um, You're, in- you're That's insane. My That's my favorite. Everyone forgets that I've been acting this crazy way long time ago. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They're like, everyone's going to blame... Uh, CTE, Elemental P, PCP, uh, DMT, uh, HIC. I don't know what the fuck kind of drugs they were saying I was on. Crack cocaine. Everybody damn uh, had a little opinion on the fucking internet. And I was cracking up because I'm like, damn, you know, uh, I don't even do those drugs. So you are clean like, now. Uh, what do you mean now? You've I, I always been clean. <laughs> I'm just insane. What do you mean? I, it's fun to be. I picked a career path where I got to fight other men. You understand? So, like, I don't know. Uh, every All of my buddies think I'm, you know, pretty wild, you know, insane in a fun way. Not in a damn dangerous, like, uh, I should be in jail way. Everybody knows that. Like, it's just, like, um, uh, ridiculous uh, uh, what the Internet can I mean, I'm sure it was bad in the days without internet when when you got rumors and whatnot. But here, the internet, man, those those things take flight. They do weird left turns and right turns and into suddenly, you know, I'm some kind of crackhead or something. You know, dude, I'm an artist. Uh, I'm a uh, I'm a mixed martial artist in particular, and um, yeah, yeah, I'm weird. But I, I think it's hilarious how, how <laughs> you know uh, how bad people twist things and even like uh well-respected quote-unquote journalists uh they'll do anything to sell some tickets you know they'll you know they it, it, i don't know it, it really uh i thought um brand gumball was above that well yeah and, and it seems like you you do take it to heart a little bit no no i'm a sensitive flower underneath this gruff exterior i i just think that uh well because I'm I'm out there every day. You know, I do I do a lot of positive things. You know, I do a lot of positive things in my community, and I I'm just shocked at, like that uh, everyone wants to take a chunk out of you. I mean, when you're famous, it's crazy. People want to just take a bite out of you whenever they can because it furthers their agenda. And uh, I've learned that the hard way over the past three years. You know, I really figured it out that that uh you know when when you're on top. You're, you're flying high is really hard for them to bite you. But when, uh, you know, you, you, when you, man, when you have a bad run, everybody out there is trying to damn, <laughs> they're just trying to take a chunk and cook it up. So why don't you t- tell me about some of those good things? Cause I mean, the internet, as you said, they just swing the bad things. We only hear about the negative stuff. We don't hear yeah. about those pros. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, the, the one major thing that I'm, uh, really trying to get off the ground is Mayhem Video Dome. It's a, cha- a charity for kids with cancer. Go there, uh, furnish them with the Xbox, PlayStation 4, try to get, um, you know, um, some uh, just a high energy happiness for the children who are, who are struggling with um, uh, leukemia, uh, you know, and these childhood cancers. That That's like kind of my focus in the, for the past few months is trying to get that one up and running so that we can um, make Mayhem Miller Industries uh, a leader not only in mixed martial arts, but also charitable contributions. 
is is Mayhem Miller Industries what's been able to keep you on your feet these past few years without fighting? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. What we do is, well, we have a wide variety of, uh, <laughs> uh, I would say, we do security services as well as uh, various legal and quasi-legal services. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, something quasi-legal was this last arrest that you had. They set the bail at what I read was a million dollars. Now, I'm not a lawyer. A million, a million, a million, a <laughs> No, I'm not a lawyer yeah. or anyone in the penitentiary scene, but that seems like a lot of money to get out on. Uh, how does one get out well, on a million dollars? Well, fucking have a million dollars and you get out. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody's like cracking up at me, calling me a broke piece of shit. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Mayhem Miller's balling out of control. I just not showing it off too much. These uh, scumbags are all, uh, you know, um, hey, 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 the UFC it ain't from the UFC. I'll tell you that much. No, but the the organization that you are fighting for, Venator, the president Frank Miranda, I saw he he went on a tirade after this, blaming the media for your problems, proclaiming that the fight with Luke Barnett, not Josh Barnett, is still on. How cool is it to to fight for a promotion and a promoter and a president that actually does have your back? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, look, it'd be great to have some more meetings um, with Frank, and I, I think that you know he's a very adept promoter, and he he, he one of the smarter ones. He definitely uh, you know uh, uh, made a good move with me, uh, uh, you know, being part of his uh, roster because you know I put butts in seats, even in Italy, you know, I'm I'm worldwide famous, you know, and it's just shocking that, uh, here in America, just, um, I feel like I I can never get a fair shake from those guys. And, you know, part, part of that is, uh, our history. And, uh, and I've always disagreed with how mixed martial arts has been handled, uh, here in, uh, America, uh, I feel like uh, they're they're missing out on opportunities to do things a lot better than they could, and you know that that comes down to um, uh, what's the chubby bald guy's name? Is? <laughs> yeah, that guy. It's probably it's probably his fault. Uh, you know, and and, and I, I get it. Heavy is the head that wears a crown, but this I feel like consistently that guy makes bad decisions. Well, they are saying that. You know, the rumor out there is that the UFC could be up for sale. You never know. He he well, might not be around. Yeah, I mean, that, look, that, I don't know. I think they already ruined the UFC, uh, in my opinion. You know, it's just, just because it's, like, so homogenized, you know, it's like, oh, it's a black guy uh, fighting, uh, fighting a white guy, uh, and they're both wearing black and white shorts. You know, it's just like, okay, you know, I, it, it went a drastically different way then I thought that mixed martial arts would and could go. Um, you know, but like I said, uh, it's, it's, it's their court, you know, they, they can do what they want, but I, you know, I, it's not like I'm saying anything original. I believe a, a lot of the veteran UFC fighters, you know, uh, one way or another have either complained to me privately or have said things publicly and are now embroiled in crazy lawsuits and whatnot. And or are going other avenues. I mean, Benson Henderson to Bellator and stuff like that. Man, that's huge, man. Benson is like one of my favorite fighters in the world to watch. And uh, look at him. He just, he left. Like, I, I don't get it. Did, 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 and I, I, you know, I don't understand. Did he get cut and, and, and then go or did I don't know how? They, no, he fought out of because, his contract. His his last fight was the last fight on his deal, and then it was going to go to. They were going to negotiate, and he negotiated elsewhere. Oh, I understand. Yeah, but they always have like a, a non compete clause for like a certain amount of time. I figured that Benza um, Anderson would be stuck there for a year. Yeah, you think? He? No, he, he was? no he wasn't. They just didn't. Uh, I don't think they actually. I think he went with Bellator's offer. Bellator's offer was the UFC didn't want to match it. Oh, I understand. All right, well, great, good. I am glad that uh, now Bellator is making smart business decisions. Like it, it feels like that'd be that's a great athlete to to showcase. I mean, he's uh, you know high flying. Uh, uh, his technical skills are are great, and he's uh, an aggressive fighter who does all kinds of uh, 
you know, flashy moves. And, and to me, that's one of my favorite types to watch. Now, Venator, is it, this fight that you're fighting Luke is for the title. It, how many fights do you plan on fighting with these guys? I mean, is it a one-fight deal? Is it a two-fight deal? I always do one-fight deals, man. I, I don't mess around. I just do one-fight deals, man, because the kids love the mayhem. So, uh, you know, so far, so good. If I Look, if somebody offers me a giant contract with, like, uh, you know, some type, like, a lot of freedoms, then maybe I'll I'll reconsider in, in uh, my my current stance. But I'm always doing one, one fights, you know. Like, to me, that makes the most sense for a guy like me. Now, I have to ask, uh, because of all the, the police incidences and whatnot, does it worry you at all? Or obviously, it doesn't worry their president. Will you be able to fly to Italy? Absolutely. What the hell? Yeah. Well, you never know. I mean... Yeah. Well, I know I've already worked there. Like, look, man, we have, uh, uh, I don't know how they do things up in Canada, but <laughs> here in America, we, uh, we, you know, we have our due process. It's not perfect, that's for sure, but, uh, you know, uh, we already had a conversation in the courtroom about, about my, um, uh, traveling over there and, and doing the fight. And so, look, everything's fucking A-okay. So it wasn't really a stupid question. You guys asked it in the courtroom. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, I mean, what I mean is, is that we wouldn't be having this conversation if if some judge already squashed my damn dreams. True, but the question might not have gotten brought up. You never know. I mean, they do portray you as this crazy guy. I, yeah, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> now, finally, I got to ask. This fight goes down May twenty first. Um, uh, do you plan on fighting more in twenty sixteen, or should we wait another four years? I mean, look, I would like. Uh, I would like to uh, already book something else, kind of, yeah, just because I forgot how much I love this and love this lifestyle. And train hard and like, um, you know, fuck, it's just beautiful. Like I, I can't even, I can't really articulate it. You know, you got all your brothers training hard alongside of you. It's like. Um, you know, it's great, and I, I don't, man, I don't mind it. I don't, I, I don't mind uh, doing this. My body's holding up real well. The funny part is, everybody's kind of like forgotten about me. But I watched all those other guys in the middleweight uh, division, like just get beat all the shit, and like they're just wrecked and old now. Shit, I'm like four years younger than all them because I, I, I took all this time off, and uh, you know. Um, uh, I didn't actively compete and learn so much more new skills and, you know, uh, techniques and man, I, I like, I'm excited. Actually, a fight I wanted to ask you about, were you, were you surprised by Michael Bisping's performance against Anderson Silva? Well, I mean, I just saw the highlights of him getting his ass kicked. <laughs> like every highlight was him, like him getting his ass kicked. And yeah. It's just par for the course with the, with the whole, Oh, thing you know, I wasn't treated right in the lead up to that fight, and that that, that was real. Uh, uh, um, I don't know. Uh, it, it wasn't very surprising that what well, did I mean? Did he do a good job? I thought like, he did it. Yeah, all he. I, all I saw was him. He's an excellent like game plan guy. So, but all I saw was him freaking uh, getting. <laughs> I never. I don't. I don't have a UFC fight pass or anything like that. Like I. I I watch some fights every once in a while when it come when when they come up, but you know um, if somebody could hook me up with the stream, uh, I'd appreciate it. There you go. Now, how about you cut a promo for us, telling people why they should watch Mayhem Miller back inside the cage against Luke Barnott? What do you mean cut a promo? You're great at it, I, man. I thought this was the I thought this was the promo. The whole thing was yeah, the promo, the, but are, I, I mean, is this a, is this a podcast I'm on, or are you going to write this up? Oh, I'm going to write it up as well, but it's but it is a podcast, definitely. But you're, oh yeah, brother, May twenty first, the cream <laughs> it rises to the top. That's right, Mayhem Miller will be inside the cage on May twenty first, Milan, Italy. Be there, man. I love it. You're welcome. That was awesome. My my. Well, you... God bless America. <laughs> Have you ever well, been to Italy you, before? Man. Nah, I've never been there. Well, that'll be it's fun. Nice. Heard it's nice. Heard the ladies are lovely. All I know is, hey, paisano. <laughs> 
Well, man, good luck on May 21st. Can't wait Thanks, to brother. see you get back in there. Yeah, yeah, man. All right, MMA sucker. You have it. I'll talk to you guys later. All right, later, buddy. My next guest is a MMA boxing coach at American Top Team in Florida. Dr. Polly Gloves joins the show. This guy, he's uh, one of the team with Last Word on Sports Mixed Martial Arts now. So uh, I figured I'd get him on the show. It's a pleasure to chat with you today, man. Hey, brother. I'm really stoked to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, just had a wicked interview with uh, Jason Mayhem Miller. Now top it off and finish the show off with you. So should be fun. Cool, man. Cool. Now, you, as I said, leading up there, you're the MMA boxing coach for American Top Team. Just talk about how all that came about. Like, how did you even get into the sport of boxing, and and how long have you been doing it? How did you hook up with, you know, the guys at ATT? Just talk about that. Um. Well, in in 1992, I actually walked into a, a club, and they were having like a tough man fight. You know, like Monday Night Boxing, and a a good friend of mine uh, hopped in the ring and got his butt kicked. Um, but for some reason, I'm like, man, that looks kind of cool. I want to do that. Never really grew up. I was kind of pretty, you know, nice kid. Never fought or anything. Probably actually I was bullied a little bit. Um, I said, that that looks good to me. Let me try it. And I got in there, and uh, you know, uh, I was grew up in kind of a rough neighborhood and fought the uh, kind of the tough guy on the block and ended up beating him. Uh, somebody had showed me how to throw a jab and. Jab worked pretty well for him. I don't think I could have thrown everything, anything else. I was throwing the, I was throwing my right hand like a purse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, anyways, I stuck with boxing for a while. I uh, went on and uh, you know got a Golden Glove title and fought like the the tough man, the real one on FX in in like 2002. And then uh, kind of got bored with it. And mixed martial arts was really evolving. Um, well, actually, at that point, it had gone kind of back underground. I should say that it kind. Of, you know, uh, uh, shown its head for a little bit and went away with all the politics. And uh, a friend of mine was fighting on a card for, uh, what is that, King of the Cage, uh, Roger Crawl, who's actually the owner of American Top Team Sunrise. And I saw him fight, and I said, man, I could really help this guy with the striking. Um, so I came over, and I, I joined uh, Roger's team, and, uh, you know, we trained mixed martial arts. And back then, you know, you, you didn't know quite what you are doing. We just beat the crap out of each other, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my that's where I kind of involved as a striking coach, you know, took what I knew from boxing and applied it to the striking and mixed martial arts, which is, which there's similarities, but there's also some uh, pretty important differences. And, uh, from there I moved up to, uh, Port St. Lucie to, uh, where Dean Thomas is and, and joined his team and started working with the crew of guys up there. And, uh, now I work out of uh, American top team, Port St. Lucie and Vero beach with a few guys. And, uh, I make the, uh, down to the main academy, which is just amazing, uh, in Coconut Creek and work with some of the uh, high-level guys down there. That's awesome. I mean, the lead-up to that mm -hmm. is pretty cool. You're Golden Gloves winner, um, dealing with these guys at American Top Team. What what have you learned along the way? That, that Obviously, there's major differences between boxing and mixed martial arts, as you said. Um, you being the Golden Gloves guy, what have you seen getting in there with these certain mixed martial artists that you have? Um, that you've been able to bring to the table because, as, as I said, it, it is a completely different game. These guys aren't just standing there and trading and, and boxing, but they're learning every aspect of martial arts. So what do you see from these guys, and, and what can you instill in them so that they can be the best that they can be inside the cage? Yeah, so, um, you know, there's quite a few things. I think, like, uh, first of all... Um, one of the things I talk about is that uh, styles make fights. I've actually written about it a bit. Um, it's a very important concept because depending on like your your genetic makeup, you know your body style, if you're short, if you're tall, if you have long reach, um, also your game plan. Are you trying to wrestle? You know, are you just trying to stand up? So all those things kind of go into the form of what style is going to be the most effective for you. And then also uh, with with boxing, boxing that the distance uh, is actually closer than it is in mixed martial arts because to your point things are different there's so many things you can do there's kicking there's the takedowns so in mixed martial arts the spacing is actually greater i'm um, also in boxing you stand a bit more linear so if you stand linear in uh mixed martial arts you're just a lot more likely to get kicked in the lead leg um so depending on those things uh you want to apply some certain concepts of striking obviously you have your basic punches and all those things um, but there's some things you just don't want to do too much. Like 
you know, you have to be very careful about rolling in the pocket because you can, you know, take knees and kicks to the head. Um, you also want to make sure you finish in a position where you can use, you know, I always say, you know, use your uh, defense to set up your offense. So you want to defend in a way where you're not going to be taken down, you're not going to get kicked in the head, but also in a position where you're just far enough out of range or just in range enough so that you can counter. And in, in boxing, uh, fighters tend to stay inside. You can kind of roll your shoulder and, you know, look for body shots on the inside and throw together these kind of grand combinations if you want. But in mixed martial arts, you can't really do that because inside work, we're in boxing like Floyd Mayweather is really good about it, about a shoulder rolling. You'll just get taken down or you get clinched in mixed martial arts. So that aspect of the game is really non-existent, uh, non-existent in mixed martial arts because it's been replaced by the clinch or the takedown, if that makes sense. So we, I, I teach fighters to throw, you know, one, two, three punch combinations, finish with a little bit, bit of defense and use that defense to set your offense. Where in boxing, you might throw again, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine punch, these kind of elaborate combinations. You can't do that in mixed martial arts because somebody's going to crack you with a bomb in the middle of a, you know, in the middle of maybe just a, you know, a speed combination. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. Now, one thing I noticed is, with our group chats, the last word on sports group chats on on Facebook is is your technical prowess when when you're talking about fights and and certain guys that are going to fight each other. Now you seem like a guy obviously that is truly in love with the sport of mixed martial arts. You're a guy that is engaged and he loves it. And and there are a lot of coaches and even fighters out there that once they get home, they completely disengage. Now, you're a guy that obviously likes to study tape. You're a guy that obviously likes to watch the fights. This is the case, right? Well, I'll tell you what, man. Here, here's the thing. Um, my, <clears throat> I, I, my bachelor's and my master's are in social work, and nobody goes into social work for making money, right? I do it because I really like helping people. It makes me feel good. I was a therapist for a while, and when I got into coaching mixed martial arts, which, you know, being a therapist is kind of like being a life coach, um, I found that I like seeing people improve, right? It makes me feel good. And then I learned about the science of human behavior, which I incorporated that into a lot of my writings. And I went on to get my doctorate in uh, leadership, which again, you know, when you're a coach, that's athletic leadership. So all these things kind of go into a bucket for me personally um, to help me with coaching. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be an exceptional, you know, best coach in the world without some sort of formal education. For me, it was just kind of my desire to help people. And then it was backed up with my education gives me kind of like a different maybe perspective or approach than, uh, you know, some of the other coaches. So fundamentally that's what drove me to, like you said, watch tape. I would, I studied, uh, Mike Tyson, like I was going to college working on my doctorate. I would take his tapes and I roll it slow and I would go down to the theory, the minutia of what his body style is or his, his uh, technique was. And I've actually taken what he does in some similar fighters and I created a style called Controlled Chaos, which is essentially the peekaboo for mixed martial arts because, again, some of the things that he did you can't do in mixed martial arts, but a lot of the concepts are very applicable. But you got to have the passion to kind of want to do something like that. You know, if you don't love it, if you don't like helping people, if you don't like seeing your fighters grow, um, because honestly, you know, I'm not making a ton of money doing it. I do it because I love it, and I'd love to see these guys, uh, you know, become better, and I'm very selective in who I work with these days because if you're not – if you're not a hungry guy, meaning that you train really hard, you're disciplined, and most importantly, you're not a good guy, a kind guy, somebody who helps other people, I, I just don't have time to work with you. So I've been fortunate to work with guys like Brad Pickett, who are just a good human being. And most recently, I don't know if you saw uh, um, Matt Schnell just yeah. won the legacy title yeah, over in Louisiana. Just good people in and out of the cage. It's just not act. This is the guy in front of the cameras and behind the cameras. It's the same guy you see. These are the only people I want to work with. Uh, Steve Montgomery, another guy down there, just a super nice guy, man. I just said, you know what? That's a guy that I want to dedicate my time to. So, you know, that's kind of my approach to it. So that you, you talking about that, that you started with social work and, and stuff like that. I know you've also said to me that, you know, you, you were out for dinner with certain guys the other night. Now, is that something that you, you put into this is, is the social side of the game, not just inside the gym with the boxing. You, you want to do the mental side of things as well. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, the, the mental side is very important. I, 
you know, you think fight week, if you've ever experienced it, um, or you haven't experienced it, uh, the, the, the week of the fight, depending on the, you know, the level of the fight and, you know, how experienced the fighter is, it can be very, very, very taxing on the fighters. And it gets worse every day. You know, Matt was having a big case of the nerds coming in. Uh, Brad, for his last fight over in London, he wasn't sure if he was going to retire or not, you know. So this is a lot of weight on these guys to get out there and perform. Um, I'm actually writing a, a, a research article with a good friend of mine, Dr. Alex Edmonds. He's a sports psychologist, so it'll be for a journal. But it's going to talk about how fighters prepare for in-fight adversity. And that's the whole kind of mental side of it. Like, how do you prepare mentally for this stuff? And a lot of it's linked to what you do behaviorally, right? How you train, how you eat, how you're performing, because it comes down to, like, your self-efficacy, your belief in what you can do in a given task. So that's nothing magical. It happens from what you're actually doing day to day and how your coaches actually can support you in that way. Are you they telling you you're not doing a good job on this, that, and the other? Or are they looking for incremental improvement and showing you that because you did A, B, and C, this is happening. You know, you're winning more, you're getting hit less, you're landing more strikes. So all that goes in this big bucket that helps the, the, the uh, fighter perform better. That makes sense. Yep, for sure. Now Matt Schnell, Brad Pickett, Steve Montgomery, these are guys that you work with. Um, how does that all come about? You like you are the boxing coach and an MMA coach at American Top Team. Do these guys come to you to find you? Does Ricardo Laborio or or, or those guys come and seek you out to work with these guys? Like, how does that all work? And how do you pick and choose? You know, you said you want to work with strong guys that are mentally strong and, and just good guys inside and outside the cage. But how does it come to them working with you? Because you're not a main fixture at the gym. You're brought in for these certain guys. So, man, that's a that's an excellent question. And you know, I kind of feel lucky in this regard. Um, back in about, I don't know, it was 2007 or 2008, um, I was uh, helping out a fighter. You know, he was a professional fighter early in his career. And I was backstage. I ran into a guy named Luigi Fioravanti. Do, do you know Luigi? Yeah, yeah, I know who Luigi is. Yeah. So Luigi and I had, uh, you know, way back in the Keys when he was fighting on early cards, like on cards, uh, we had linked up down there, had some good conversations. But I saw him up there, and uh, he was backstage, and he had just lost a fight. And I said, you know, Luigi... I teach the style that would be perfect for you because you got that build. And it's like Mike Tyson style. I call it Turtle Chaos. Why don't you come see me, man? I'd be happy to help you. You know, I would do it for free. Just come on up. So Luigi, you know, you got to think that you've got all these guys that come to the gym, so they're all vying for like the coach's attention, and the coaches only have limited amount of attention because there's only X amount of coaches. So Luigi would actually make the journey up just to work with me personally. And uh, we worked, and he took me over to uh, Italy. We went and fought in Rome, Italy, where uh, he actually, him and Rich Antonito, which another one of my guys, fought on the uh, first Italian, the first card in uh, Rome, Roman history, mixed martial arts card. We were over there with uh, Lesia Sakara. So uh, he won the fight, and actually, I'm like, I don't know, 6 or 7 0 with UFC guys that come to me on a losing streak and come back in to fight. So I feel pretty good about that. But when when Luigi did it, then Rich Antonito did it, and then, you know, your name gets kind of known a little bit around. And, you know, I mean, word kind of spreads. So as I'm down there right now, um, when I was working with Brad, some of these guys would come in and they would help uh, Brad in camp. And I would see that they're helping them. They were working hard for them. They were, you know, pretending to be the other guy in terms of the style. And then when I go there down there now, I said, you know what, for example, Matt, I, you're you're just a good guy. You're working hard. How would you like to, me to work with you? And he's like, yeah, that would be great. You know, I saw Steve Montgomery recently, and I seen him over in Vegas for one of his fights. And the guy is just a super duper nice guy, and it just that sticks with me. So Steve was around, and I saw him watching me work with somebody because these guys will kind of hang around the cage, and you know, will talk to me a little bit. And I said, hey, Steve, you know. Would you like me to help you? I got some things for your style. You know, you're you could be a long range fighter. You know, we can get you doing stuff and capitalizing on your reach a little bit more. Would you like me to help you? Oh, that would be great, coach. And I just do it. You know, so uh, they like it, they enjoy. It, I like it, and uh, you know, with this connection, we just move on from there. Are there any guys that you are just dying to get your hands on? Um, I'll tell you what, man. I I haven't in a while been dying, you know, but a long time ago it was Jeff Munson, and Jeff Munson's one of my guys. In fact, if you, if you haven't had a chance, man, you should go out and pick up the book Beast by Doug Marino. Um, he chronicles a few fighters like Steve Munson, um, Rashad Bet- Bektik, 
uh, and Jeff and one more, uh, Daniel Strauss. Uh, I'm in the book, you know, they follow us to Indiana and fell us over to Russia. But when Jeff first fought uh, Tim Sylvie, I'm like, you know, I just wish I could fight with this guy or train this guy because he doesn't know how to use head movement to get inside Tim Sylvia's longer reach. He was, he was shooting from like a, a mile out. So, you know, that's one of the styles I teach, you know, the short range style, how to get into a uh, longer, you know, fighter's range. And uh, that was one of the guys like right now, I would say uh, I would love to work with Conor McGregor. In fact, I even told Brad, you should hit him up, you know, uh, cause Brad's friends with him. And say, listen, man. If, you know, I, it, my personal belief is that if he fights Diaz again, he's gonna have the same results because it's a bad style matchup. You know, uh, Nick Diaz fights a very long style. He capitalizes on his reach. He's a bigger guy, and that's the same style that actually Conor McGregor uses. However, Conor McGregor using the same style against somebody that's longer than you, it's not gonna be effective because these guys, you know, take advantage of their long reach, but he doesn't have the longer reach in yeah. this case. So I think it's. Yeah, so a guy like that, I would love to bring it, it come in and show him some use of some good head movement uh, that works for mixed martial arts to show him how to get inside Nikki's reach. Now, you think that, that the outcome would be the same in, in a second match. Were you surprised, not surprised by the outcome in the first match, but the way that Conor McGregor was fighting? Because, you know, after his fight with Jose Aldo, he says precision beats power. But against Nate Diaz, all Conor McGregor was throwing worse power punches. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think he was probably trying to make a statement. But I'll tell you that that probably gave him his best chance of winning because if he would have tried to fight technically against Nick Diaz, uh, he was going to have, uh, I mean, it was going to be a longer night. You know, he would have just taken a slow beating because Nick Diaz, or Nate Diaz rather, was going to keep him on the outside of his uh, of his jab for a long time. You know, that's the same thing that happened with uh, Cowboy Cerrone. You know, Cowboy is usually a longer guy, but he. He fights Nate Diaz and uh, ends up taking a beating because he doesn't know how to get inside that reach. Right, right, right. So you you said uh, you know you had Matt Schnell win the title last week. You're uh, heading in to do some training this evening. Is that with uh, Steve Montgomery? Because he's got a fight coming up at the end of this week, correct? Yeah, yeah, he does. He's fighting down in uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale AFC, which is a great uh, card. The the is actually a Roger Crawl, you know, the guy I worked with for a while at his gym. Uh, but no, no, I'm actually, I also work with, uh, just, you know, novice fighters, you know, beginners. I'd love to go in there and show these guys, you know, how to, uh, you know, how to fight, how to train. So I'm going with those, that, with that crew. Uh, but during the week, what I'll do is work with some up and comers this way and then make the journey down South, uh, to work with those guys. But no, I won't, I won't be working with Steve, but I've been in contact with them. And so what I do with some of these guys is if I work on a technique with them, I ask them to video it and send it to me so I can analyze them and give them feedback because, you know, feedback is fundamental to learning without feedback and seeing what these guys are doing in actual sparring. You can't really shape what they're doing. They might do what you tell them to do when you're just training it. But the point is for it to generalize into the sparring match for them to be successful in it. So that way it becomes something that they're going to rely on or actually apply in the fight. That's awesome, man. You, you, you should make like a a website or an app just for that. Uh, actually, I'm thinking about it, man. You know, it's kind of like here's the thing with me. I'm also an assistant principal for a, a school in high poverty. You know, so during the day, I use the same science of human behavior to turn around schools, and I've been fortunate to be very successful in it. And I apply the same science to the fighters at night. The problem is that coaching does not coaching itself right now does not sustain my lifestyle. You know, I have to own a gym, and dude, I'm just not ready to do that yet. You know, I'm I'm happy to kind of cherry pick the fighters I want to work with based on those qualities I talked about, and uh, you know, just see where it goes, man. I mean, there's lots of opportunities out there. I'm I'm working my way out. Um, you know, I'm writing a book. I'm writing some stuff on mixed martial arts. I'm actually uh, tying in some stuff with uh, lessons learned from fighting for leadership. Um, I've written some articles on that and uh, looking to do a book and bring in some other fighters and talk about, you know, what they've learned in terms of leadership lessons, because I think this stuff can be really important to the corporate world. And because it's very novel, I think they would be very accepting of it. Man, you got your hands in in plenty of baskets, my friend. Uh, It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you uh, this afternoon. Dr. Polly Gloves, MMA boxing coach at American Top Team. Also, as I said, hands in every single basket out there. Man, just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media realm if they want to chat fights or, you know, social stuff or or anything, man. 
Oh man, I love to talk. You know, I love to talk shop. Uh, first of all, I have a website www.polygloves.com. They can link up with me on Facebook at Polygloves. Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram at Dr. Polygloves and uh, Twitter at Polygloves. So. You know, I'd love to hear from anybody if anybody's got any different views. I'd also like for them to take a look at some of my uh, articles out there. You know, if you just Google my name, Polly Gloves, and, uh, you know, put in MMA, you'll find, you know, 8, 9, 10, 12 articles out there. Or LinkedIn, uh, you can find me at Paul Gavoni, uh, EDD. Thanks a lot, man. Have a great afternoon. Good luck to your fighters. Good luck to coaching uh, the rest of the week, man. Jeremy, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, brother. That was Dr. Polly Gloves, this guy. As I said, head coach, boxing coach, not head coach, but MMA boxing coach down at American Top Team in Florida. Seems like he is a jack of all trades. I'd like to thank him for joining the show. I'd like to thank Jason Mayhem Miller for stopping by. That was a pleasure to, you know, get his insight on the mixed martial arts game four years removed from it and now coming back into it. Also, awesome to hear that he has that charity that his uh, company is is up and coming with, the cancer scene, um, which is awesome. It, it's good to see and hear the pros rather than just the cons when it comes to the man known as Mayhem. So thank you to him for joining the show. Thank you to you guys for listening. And make sure you follow MMA Sucka on Twitter at MMA Sucka. Follow myself on Twitter at Jeremy Brand 604. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash MMA Sucka. And make sure you check out our sponsors, bckimonos.ca, fusionfightgear.com, floathouse.ca, at uniquekennels71 on Twitter, and as always, True North Screen Printers. Make sure you just check all of them out. Google them if you want. Uh, They've got all the necessities that you need for all of your things that I said that those things come with. Wow. Oh, wow. That was a great one. So once again, thank you to you guys for listening. This one was an early one. It dropped on Monday afternoon. But that's because we had mayhem. I'm out. Sucker, sucker, radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. Out.